Good afternoon. Welcome back to Coffee Connections. My name is Seth Weiner, and I am your rock chenier. Uh, welcome. Um, it's a beautiful day somewhere. Not in Atlanta, though. Definitely <laughs> not. It's just, just not a beautiful day. But that's okay. You know what's beautiful? The person we're about to talk with, I'm so excited to bring... Um, hang on a second now. Uh, before I'm jumping so quickly, I wanted to let everyone know a um, couple things because I always start the show. First of all, where are you? This is Coffee Connections, this is Insights with Innovators. Uh, and we're talking to nonprofits in Atlanta, uh, not, uh, individuals from nonprofits in Atlanta. This is our 22nd episode and it's just flying. I cannot believe it's already, uh, well, it's the beginning of November, but to some, I mean, does it feels like the end of November just because, I mean, well, we're not going to talk about last week. That was <laughs> I was my look at this. I wasn't gray until last week. Look what happened. I mean, it's on. Um, but uh, we're taking Thursday off. I, I'm working a virtual auction on Thursday, so uh, I just uh, we're going to take the Thursday off, but we're back next Tuesday. Uh, but today, ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you all know we're going to be talking with the Star Institute and Siobhan Tana. Uh, that's uh, Star Davis. Now she's the founder and executive director for the uh, Star Institute. Uh, Star Davis is dedicated to positively impacting her community through mentorship and motivation. Uh, serving as both a resource and beacon of hope for girls, Star earned a Bachelor of Arts in Mass Communications and from Florida State University, where I was a marching chief and initially believed that her career path would lead to broadcast journalism. So she's, this makes her to be a fantastic guest with this broadcasting journalism background. However, uh, a chance meeting with a prominent Atlanta attorney opened her eyes to the power of the law and the need for women like her in the courtroom. She served as a staff attorney with the Office of the Public Defender, Atlanta Judicial Circuit, for over five years. Now, at the age of seven, Starr experienced her first encounter with sexual abuse uh, at the hands of a male family member. Uh, Star remained silent about her pain and did not name her abusers uh, to her family until uh, well until adulthood. Now, this experience fueled Star's passion to ensure that no other girls suffer in silence and led to the creation of the Star Institute, TSI. Star's journey to healing was a long one. And when she was a child, she knew of no program to help her deal with her abuse. It is for this very reason that TSI is dedicated to the awareness and prevention of sexual abuse and exploitation of youth. Star still serves as a volunteer and partner for the Georgia Center for Child Advocacies and Vision Projects. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Star. Hi, Seth. Thank you for having me on today. Such an honor. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's great to have you here. You were highly recommended. And just reading about your organization and your story, I'm very excited to uh, to, to talk with you and, and learn from you. Um, but before we before we get there, we got to start with our coffee talk. Uh, do you have a mug? She's got a mug. What? Whoa, that's a beautiful mug. Yes, Tell us about the mug. Okay, so I am actually a person that's kind of like cup half full no matter what's going on, I'm always trying to see the bright side and I'm always being grateful um, no matter what's going on. So unfortunately, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I do drink caffeine-free tea. So that's what's in okay. here. And it's yummy. Okay. Okay. As long as there is something hot and liquidy in there, we're good. Do you drink iced tea then? So we'll, we'll, no, we'll do coffee. Drink. I don't we'll do drink tea. I am water. I'm a water type of person. 
Do you drink a gallon of water a day? I, I try. It it's not right. Oh wait, it is. It's here. I've got it. This is 75, 73 ounces though. This isn't a okay. gallon. This is 73. Oh, look at that. Yeah, let me see no, that. So a friend of mine showed me the reason why I brought that up is she showed me that same mug thing today. That's I swear to God. Never saw it in my life. With my this, husband the has a gallon, but I have the 73 ounces. So if I drink this, then I feel like I'm doing good. Yeah, that's so weird. So random. So random. Okay, this is gonna be good. I'm excited. All right, so I'm gonna hand it over to you. Uh uh-huh. the screen here. Will you please tell everyone about the stars to do? Yeah. Okay. So, um, funny story. I have to always start out with my name. So, uh, my name, my full name, right, is Shavantane Margie Morningstar Davis. Um, but everyone calls me Star. And it's so funny because my grandpa, um, he was Native American and he told my mom if she named me Morgie Morningstar that I would never want for anything. And, you know, my mom went for that. So my name is 30 letters long and there's only 26 letters in the alphabet. And I'm like, mom, you should have just, you know, named me Star. But in hindsight, you know, they always say that Hindsight is 2020. And so the Star Institute name comes from not from my name, but because I believe that we all have a light inside of us. And if given opportunity, um, we can all shine. So that's where the Star Institute name comes from. And then shine where you are. Um, As you said in my introduction, my life changed at seven. Um, That's when the molestation began, and it was by two of my older male adult cousins. Um, And that's also when my mom became addicted to drugs. Now, by the grace of God, she's been clean now for 13 years, and she is one of the Star Institute's uh, biggest supporters. But when I was a child, the only person that I told uh, about the molestation was my best friend, and she was a kid. And I asked her to keep my secret and she did, but some people aren't meant to be kept. And that was not something that, uh, that wasn't a position. I shouldn't have put her in the position to be my protector, but I didn't know, you know, any better, but I made a vow to her that when we got older, that I was going to help girls, um, like me. So, you know, you grow up, you go to college, you know, Florida State, as uh, you mentioned, because I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. That's what I thought I was going to be. Um, and then moved to Atlanta. That was my 18-year-old dream. And then, of course, you know, real life sets in and you graduate. Uh, I did graduate from Florida State and moved to Atlanta. And then it's like, oh, well, you just need a job. <laughs> So I started working at a law firm, hated every moment of it. Um, But the attorney that I worked for is one of my really good friends, mentors, big sisters. And it was the kind of law she practiced. It was family law. Um, And then fast forward, I started working for a criminal defense attorney. And I said, uh, rape, child molestation, a double homicide and a murder trial with him. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to law school. And when I do it, I'm going to be a public defender. And uh, for those who don't know, a public defender is a person who represents indigent people. And so people who cannot afford attorneys. So, you know, we get a bad rap. People call us public pretenders, all that, you know, jazz that we're really working with the state. But the the 
the thing is, is that majority of people can't afford an attorney. And so they need mm. people who are going to zealously represent them. Um, and so it was primarily I was in superior court representing adults who were charged with criminal offenses. And then I went down to juvenile court and um, I had a client. She was 15 years old and I was going over the police report with her and I said, OK, so how do you know? this man in the police report. And she goes, I know him from when I used to sell pee. And then you can fill it in. And, oh, yeah, yeah. and she was like, but I don't do it anymore. And I said, oh, wow, it's time for me to go. Like, this is what I was here to do in the first place. So I left my office um, February 2017, just fully immersed myself in everything child sexual abuse, anti-human trafficking, learning, training, um, found myself connecting up with those who had been working, doing this work, serving in this space for so long, becoming mentors, becoming a member of the Georgia Statewide uh, Trafficking Task Force, um, and just really working and started sharing my story. Um, and what I was able to do was from my own lived experience, coupled with the connections that I had with survivors. Um, also, my, you know, knowledge and experience with how they were affected in the criminal justice system, pull this all together. Um, and I do have to admit that when I first started the Star Institute, it was oh, I want to have a home for girls who are survivors of sex trafficking. And it, I have it in my mind and I still want to do that. That is still the ultimate goal. But what I realized right now is that one, people aren't even really clear on what sex trafficking is, especially how it relates to our children and how they are impacted. And then also we're just not having conversations, right? So having the conversation where you teach your children the correct anatomical terms for body parts, where you teach them body autonomy, where, you know, you talk about sex and not just, you know, the act of sex, but everything that flows from that. So not shying away because I pretty much equate it to a fire drill. Um, a fire is a real imminent threat. We teach our children how to respond, who to call, what to do. And it should be the same thing in the case of their bodies. Hmm. All right. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. And, and one of the first things is when it comes to sexual abuse, it's not what most people think. It, it does come from people that you know. It's not just strangers. And a lot of, uh, I think, uh, you know, I grew up, uh, uh, I grew up watching, um, different strokes, you know, and you remember mm -hmm. the, uh, I think it was different strokes. Well, I remember the, I remember, you know, the, the stay away from the people in the van, you know, the van, the right. van by the uh, park and whatnot. And yeah. yeah, that does happen, but that's like the smallest percentage of things that happen. The most Perfect. common is in your own home from family members. Yeah. Family members and friends, you know, 93%. Um, and you know, and I, you know, you take these statistics with a grain of salt because again, not everyone is reporting, but Typically, mm -hmm. um, the vast majority of people who are sexually abused is by people that you know, love and trust, because you have to think about it. Ma ma majority of children are, I mean, you can't be in, but in so many places, mm -hmm. you're a child. So it is. Right. Um, and, so, and that's, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. So, but so that just gets me thinking about right now, this, this crazy time we're in, where 
kids are not going to school. They're being watched mm -hmm. by their cousins. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, I just imagine that we're probably entering a, a time where the, this is on the rise and it's like an invisible on the rise. Well, absolutely. And not so much invisible because remember, we have virtual schooling now. And so I weekly, I do a TSI tip of the week, right? So this is a short, quick video that... Um, lets our followers and our supporters know about anything new development in anti-human trafficking space, child abuse. And so what they are seeing is there was one, one child, she was seven years old, who was actually sexually assaulted by her 18-year-old cousin while she was in class. She was on a break. And I, I guess the cousin thought that the um, camera was turned off, but it, it was just muted. So her teacher and her a uh, classmate saw her being abused on camera mm -hmm. during virtual school, right? You, they, there have been reports of domestic violence taking place. And so unfortunately, school um, and other programs are a refuge to our kids. And so because they're in this space of sheltering in people who they could fight in, so be it teachers, you know, friends, um, uh, mentors, coaches, they don't have access to them. And those people, you know, aren't able to, you know, recognize if uh, some abuse is going on. And unfortunately, a lot of our kids are being housed with their abusers at this time. Mm -hmm. I can't definitively say that it has right. increased significantly, um, but I can say that, you know, now people are seeing it, you know, and people understand that is happening. Right, right. That's exactly right. And so what does your organization do? I understand the education part, but how um, how are people that are sexually abused or how, how does someone find you? Um, mm -hmm. And how are you reaching? How are you getting out there so that people know that you're visible? Okay, so we have our website, which is uh, www.thestarinstitute.org. Make sure it's star with two R's. Um, we're also on Facebook at the Star Institute. Um, LinkedIn, Shavantane Star Davis, and then Instagram. Okay, so literally our page was disabled. I am not sure why, but we had to go ahead and make a new page. So it's the Star Institute underscore. Um, and so those are all the touch points for you to be able to reach out to us. You can also email me. Um, but that's what we're doing. We're, had, we're, we're using all of those platforms to actually get out the information. And then, of course, we have our workshops that you can book us for. Now, because of COVID, we're just like the rest of the world. We're pivoting and having, you know, transforming everything so that it can be online. But we have a sex trafficking awareness 101 safety uh, workshop that is for youth and for, you know, the community, professionals, adults, depending on, you know, who the sector is where before. Um, we also have an internet safety workshop. We have a self-esteem workshop. Um, and we have a goal setting workshop. And so those are the things that we're using right now. Um, because what I've seen in working with youth is that they want to be seen and they want to be heard and they need a safe space um, and not be judged. And they need a place where, you know, sometimes they just want to talk. Right. And you have to be available and not 
you know, you have to develop a rapport with them and then allow them to speak on their own time, but they at least need to know that they have a safe space. Um, and we were actually uh, granted um, a grant with Next Day Animation. And so we have something really exciting coming down the pipeline um, that is going to be, you know, a designated safe space just for our youth. And our age demographic is 12 to 17. Okay. Now you mentioned sex, sex trafficking and often uh, I, I think that people, when they think of sex trafficking, they think of the massage parlors that you uh, drive past and that we've heard this of, but can you talk a little bit more about what that really looks like in, um, in our world? Okay. So I, you know, people always go to Taken, right? The movie Taken, this is yeah. happening internationally. This is happening in all 50 states. And the way that I see it happening with our kids is, okay, so sometimes there's other kids recruiting kids. So there could be the instance in where there's a trafficker. He says to a boy, hey, for every girl that you bring to this party, I'll give you $100, right? Okay, so that's one way we've seen it. We've seen it where other girls are recruiting other girls. Now, the, the term in the life, and when I'm saying the life is when a person is being trafficked or being you know, exploited or is a trafficker, they call that the life. And um, what they have is what they call the bottom B. Um, and that is a girl who is still a victim, right? But she has, in the trafficker's mind, graduated to a place of loyalty and trust. So maybe she doesn't actually have to be sexually assaulted and, and made to have sex with these individuals who are purchasing her or him like they are um, a product. But now they go out, their job is to recruit others to bring into the fold who will then do that. So you have that going on. Um, we've seen it where traffickers Occurs, um, are, um, you know, literally the kid will go to school and they will pick them up from school and they will take them and then they will bring them back and you, your parent, the parent would be none the wiser. Um, there was actually a case uh, in, it was South Carolina, an 11 year old boy had taken his brother's car and his dad's GPS and had driven 200 miles to meet a man that he had met on Snapchat. And so what happened by the grace of God, the police officer happened to look over and he's like, it's 1230 at night and you're in this car by yourself. And so, but for the GPS cutting out, that kid could have gone there. And what I tell people all the time is there is no, when it comes to sex trafficking, there is no certain gender. It has, it does it not care your gender, your race, your socioeconomic status, your, you know, what you identify as. Traffickers only see the individuals that they abuse as dollar signs. And so whatever is needed for demand, that is what they're going to do. And so then that also lets you know, like someone is out here purchasing them. So buyers, right? The people who purchase mm -hmm. other people, they look like ordinary people. So you don't know exactly who it is. There's no look to this. There's no face to this. And it's 1% of somebody being kidnapped, right? That's just not how it's really working out here. So it's not that these kids are being kidnapped. I mean, they're, they're going home at night. It's a, uh, some of so, them are. And, and in that situation, how do you get 
I mean, they're and they're and they're obviously holding it in. They're being, they're keeping it secret. They're not sharing it with their parents. And you know, how do you break that mold? Is that something that you work with your workshops to talk to other students to to see something, say something, kind of thing? Absolutely. And the thing is, here here it goes because I tell people all the time, it's like. What is a, a trafficker is preying on someone who is vulnerable, right? So whatever that is, so their home lifestyle may not be were such that someone is checking in on them. Sometimes mm -hmm. these kids yeah. are working; they're the adults. They're taking care of their younger siblings. You understand? Sometimes, just like you would have a family of you know three generations of educators sometimes you have three three you know three generations of exploiters or you know victims of sexual abuse um and so it just depends but you do you have and that's why it's so important because sometimes the abuse has occurred for a child from birth or from so long that they don't even know that this is inappropriate right so it just depends and so you have to let them know, like, what what are healthy relationships? Set up appropriate boundaries. These are things that not all kids, you take it for granted that they know these things, but then they don't. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Um, and so your workshops, uh, how many people in your are in your organization? Are you bringing other folks in um, that are you know psychologists, psychiatrists, et cetera, to? Right, so that's workshop? what I do, because. I, I'm not, that is not my wheelhouse. And that's the good thing about in this space, no one organization can do it all. So you have to have collaborations. So like I said, we have a partnership with the Georgia Center um, and, and I refer people out because almost every time I speak, there are, someone is going to come up to me to disclose, whether it's an adult, whether it's in a child, and I mm -hmm. don't have that ability. So I get them to the services that they need. Wow. Okay. Um, that's, that's a lot. How, how large of an organization is it that you, that you run? Like how many, oh, you know, your board you're, and whatnot? You're a baby organization. It's yeah. me. <laughs> and we have a gang of volunteers um, uh -huh. who help us. Where, like I said, um, we are three years old and we are steadily building. And where are you getting your primary funding from? Foundations or direct um, donations? Yeah, well, so we have some um, grants that we have received and then the mm -hmm. rates that we have coming up. That really is our um, annual 5K Run Plus Walk. That really is our main, you know, source of income. But we have regular donations that come in, um, but that's typically our biggest one. And, we're and in, now with the, with, the race, yeah. with, the, with the race, you actually get a nice mask. You supporting, yeah. So we were trying to be COVID conscious this year. The race is actually virtual. It's actually it kicked off on yesterday. You have the 9th through the 14th, and you can do it however you like. You can run, you can walk, you can bike. Um, I'm actually going. I'm collaborating with a, an organization, Breaking the Cycle, um, and they ride. And so I'm actually uh -huh. riding on um, 
Friday night. And then Saturday, the Star Institute is going to actually um, do the, the race. But, you know, just uh, trying to still let people get active. You know, it's always good. It's good for your health, for you to mm-hmm. get outside, especially while we've been holed up in the house. Um, and then we all need our face masks. So that's why we did face masks this year. That's great. I'm a runner. So uh, I was happy to uh, to jump on or to ride on your uh, virtual race there. So uh, oh, I have not clocked my time yet, but I'll be looking forward to your picture and your time. Thank you. Tag us. Yes, for sure. For sure. Well, and, and folks, you can do that too. Again, going to the star Institute.org. Um, so you have the race and, and that, that brings you in a little bit. And you said the grants, um, do you run any other type of fundraisers or is the race your primary right now? No, right now the race is my primary. Mm-hmm. And that is because like I said, we were young and we were trying mm-hmm. to you know, build up. So a lot of it has been like grassroots, a lot of friends, yeah. a lot of family, colleagues, just believing in the mission. Um, and now that we have all these tangible workshops that we can do, I feel confident that we'll be able to secure like more corporate sponsorships and um, more grants mm-hmm. now. And now <clears throat> we're going to flash forward five years from now. Mm-hmm. Where do you see the Star Institute? Oh, yes. Okay. So within five years, I would love to have touched every state with our workshops. Um, We're building a virtual platform. So I'd like to have our summit for the youth um, that is for the youth, that is by the youth. They facilitate. We have breakout sessions. We have empowerment, just this great safe space for the youth. So I see that in five years. Um, If we have not secured our first home um, for the girls, then I would like to have a drop-in center where it can be our hub, where we can come and we can do all of our workshops there. We can do other activities, but uh, that the youth could come in and have like a closed closet Mm -hmm. if they need um, to go on an interview or they can come pick up toiletries Uh, learn how to cook, you know, learn how to dress properly, be able to, you know, practice for interviews. Like we're going to have our hub. Yeah. Now there's a lot to be said about the the healing process, but you're not just a healing process. You're a prevention process as well, which, which is, I think what one of the things that makes your organization unique. And there's so many different organizations out there and they all have something a little bit different. Um, to be able to get to that preventative piece, to be able to connect with the youth and get them aware of that, how do you, um, are you partnering with other organizations to to better reach um, individuals? Yes, and so that is what I try to do. We try to partner, like I said, um, not, not no one organization can do everything, but it is, so prior to COVID, Um, I only got to get with two schools, um, Mm. but we had started with two schools and then COVID happened. And so I'm still going to try to build that relationship up because I think that it is far better to be able to be on the prevention side, because a lot of what happens in this space is that we start scrambling once there is an outcry. Right. So instead of getting to that, let's try to prevent this on the front end. That's the that's the whole goal. Mm-hmm. And, and going back to something like that with sex trafficking, does that something that if they're pulling a kid from a school, 
is, is probably a good chance there's a lot other kids in that same community being pulled, right? It's not it's not going to be spread out like that. It's going to be really, you can kind of follow the pieces real quickly or not quickly, yeah. but. Right. And that also too is why it's important that with our workshop that we have is for professionals as well, because everyone needs to be trained. Teachers, hotel staff, employees, you know, everyone, because you just don't know, especially medical professionals. Um, I have a really good friend that's a nurse and she's like, oh my gosh, ever since you've been doing this, I've been looking and I've been saying, you know, because people just don't know what to look for sometimes or they don't ask the question and you know we just move yeah. so fast nowadays you know um and yeah. so just really stopping to take a moment and to really like and, and like i said if you see something that you think is odd you can call the national human trafficking hotline you don't you can be anonymous it could be you don't even have to know what's going on you could just have a gut feeling that something's not right and that's okay we have yeah. kind of gone away from that. You know, we live kind of in a world like this. Not my business, you know. And uh-huh. fortunately, our kids need for you to let it be your business on today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's so it's so interesting that people, um, it's, that teachers deserve so much more than they get, especially when it comes to finances. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but look, our, our teachers are checking to make sure that the kids aren't being abused physically, mentally, uh, sexually, you know, this is, this it's is, a lot. They're, they're kind of the front of the line in that because they're seeing these kids on a day-to-day basis, not just seeing them. Like, do they, did they get beaten with a scar? But, but you people wear their uh, feelings and emotions on their face. And when something's not right, that teacher can see that right away that, and we're yeah. counting on that. And that's, that's, that's a lot to count on. Um, yeah. and they just need a lot more respect than they get, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point, I think that that's what we have to do. We just have to get everyone trained so that they can know. So when the world does open back up your mm-hmm. extracurricular activities, your teachers, your coaches, your mentors, any organizations uh, that are youth central should be getting trained, especially. Uh, Boy, it's got to be a lot, though, for a teacher to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and close the computer now to open it back up for training. Then they go home and they still got to, and ha- a teacher that has kids, like, oh my gosh, how are they teaching? It's like, you know, they're they're here on the with one computer and then the uh, <laughs> the kid on the other. It's I like, don't know, because we uh, have a six-year-old and a, a four-year-old and I'm looking like this. <laughs> I'm very grateful for my son. He's he's seven and goes to Waldorf and has outdoor classrooms. So not a very, very happy for that. It it is. I don't know. I mean, I I think I'd be bald by now because I'm, I don't have the patience to my ex-wife. She's got the patience to sit there and train, you know, to teach. Right. I don't. And, 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 you know, like you take that to, that's, and that's, that's what concerns me though. It's like, I've got myself under control, but I could see where, if you've got work and you're a stressed person and then your kid and you're trying to deal with that, like the stress yeah. level for a lot of people must be through the roof right now. It is. It is. And that's why, I mean, sometimes you just have to step away, you know, mm-hmm. especially in this type sometimes, of work. like all the time. That's the number one thing stepping away. Yeah. I, punish, I will punish my son. I'll, I'll tell him to go to his room. And then I'll walk out of the house. And he's <laughs> like, he gets mad at me when I get back is where did you go? You don't walk out. And I'm like, dude, no, I, I needed a walk. I need to cool down too, you know, like you got to. 
I'm not going to tell you a lie. I record my TSI tips of the week in the car. And so last week I recorded it and I just sat there for about 15 minutes because I go tell the kids, I'm like, hey, I'm going to the garage. I'm going to go record my TSI tip of the week. But I sat in the car for about 10 minutes afterwards because I just, I didn't want anyone to say my name. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to hear mommy. You know, and we all got to step away. So you got to find that outlet. So for me, it's exercising. Um, and so that's what I've been making sure to do. It keeps my stress level down. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't get, I don't exercise, but I do run, and I, I I'm up to, I run an average of seven miles when I run, but I'll, I'll do ten. I did it my first thirteen point something, the you know the half marathon, thirteen point one. I just got to because I'm not a runner. I'm athletic, but I'm not a runner. That takes a certain kind of skill to be like a legit runner. But last month. No, no, no. It was a couple of months back. I finally got up to running a whole mile nonstop, and now I'm at two miles. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, couch to 5K is where it's at. You have to – you build it. And, then, and the thing that you build is – it's so it's funny because I say seven miles. If I come back and I, if I'm like, ah, oh, I did five miles today. I mean, like, I did five miles. Like, that's – and to me now, five miles is like oh, I really didn't get it. I didn't do too much today. I only did five oh, you miles. You gotta give yourself some grace. That's <laughs> what I say. Give yourself some grace, okay? But the the mental piece, though, of what I get out of it, it's not just a physical thing. If it was physical, I mean, I still have a belly. I mean, I'm not I'm not where I want to be. Uh, but it's not about that. It's about clearing my head and getting fresh ideas. And as a fundraiser, let me tell you. I've got a, I got a lot of good ideas just by running. I talk, I think about my clients and think about what they're trying to do and what their goals are and how we're going to get there and how we get creative and how it can be different and on and on and on, you know? Um, and so it's, it's very healthy running. And, and one thing that I'm curious from you, um, is it just me or is it something about people in their forties? Like what's the deal with like, I never ran until I got in my forties and now, and I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but a lot of people that I know that are in their forties are starting to run. I don't know. I, I think because, you know, I just turned 37 on the 6th of November and my That's friends right. have like gotten me into this here biking thing. Are um, you doing the Peloton or? Uh, no, I'm just gonna, uh, no, they, they actually ride outside. Like they, oh, okay, okay. because they were like, no, you need a real rider's bike. Real riders don't have a kickstand on their bike. <laughs> no, they don't. I'm afraid I'm to put on the shoes. Started. I'm just getting started. So you're going to let me live. I probably haven't ridden a bike in years, for real. You know what but they say, though? Is, you know what they say about it, right? What? Getting If you haven't ridden a bike in years, it's just like riding a bike. Yes. just. But it was. It was good. And then the first time I did it, I, I rode 16 miles. And it was oh, like, wow. yeah. it was cool. It was a whole, it's a whole big group of them. And they have yeah. like music going. So that really like passes the time away. But did you, um, did you, did you do the Silver Comet yet? No. Oh, you got to do Silver Comet and which is north. And then south, you got to hit up, um, um, uh, Arabia Mountain. Both have amazing bike trails, but Silver Comet's really flat. Okay. And it goes, it actually goes from here to Alabama. It's like a, like a 30 mile ride, but you don't need to do the whole ride. You can kind of go as far as you want and back, but silver comet, check it out. It's Atlanta. We've got so many gems here. It's they've done. I mean, really like it's the preservation in this area is beyond. That's a whole other conversation. Agreed. (laughs) 
Well, um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much for sharing about the Star Institute, about yourself and being so vulnerable and sharing uh, such you know deep information. Um, and and uh, and I know that that helps others as well. So I want to thank you for your time. We close all of our episodes with our guests being able to um, recommend a future guest. And is there someone that you'd like to recommend to be on Coffee Connections? Absolutely. I would like to recommend Dr. Gabrielle Starr. She is the founder of Ladies of Favor. Okay. Um, and what is Ladies of Favor? So she actually has a school. It's just this amazing program. It's called the Dream Academy, honestly, but she does everything, teaching girls how to be resilient, how empowering them, equipping them with skills. And she also has a school. So she is doing it all. She's all right. Well, I appreciate that. And I uh, thank you so much for your time. We'll stay in touch here. And uh, everyone, I'll see you all next Tuesday, Coffee Connections. Um, And let's see who is on next Tuesday. I have it open on my screen. And next Tuesday, we've got Helping Mamas, uh, Thursday in the city camps. And then we're going to take off for Thanksgiving. Yeah, you should. Yes, you should. (laughs) But then we'll be back for Hanukkah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks so much. We'll see you again, Star. Thank you.